Hey podcasters, welcome to Shaping Identity, a podcast for lived experiences with mental illness, addictions, and the road to recovery. Today I'm going to dive in and talk about something that is really it weighs on my heart a lot ever since it happened and I honestly dream about it all the time but it is in regards to how I lost my best friend to my behaviors and I always say lose but I want to be very clear that she's not dead I just don't have her in my life anymore all right are you ready for some vulnerability here it is So I'm certain that this is going to be an extra vulnerable one for me. Um, This situation with my best friend, it sucked. Um, And I wish I could go back and change a lot of things. And unfortunately, I can't. So I do need to kind of set the stage a bit. And so I just want to explain that I had this friend in my life since we were five years old. Uh, We met at my house. Our brother and sister, sorry, my sister and her brother were friends in school. And I think that they had like a play date. And so then it was kind of like, oh, well, let's just put the other two kids together. So me and my friend. And so we, I don't know, I, I feel like I remember us hitting it off right away and just had a lot of fun. I think we both had really strong imaginations. And so that really played into our friendship. As we grew up, we um, <laughs> there were lots of situations where we would use our imagination. I remember at one time we had our own radio show and would talk about random things. And yeah, it was a really good time. And we also used to make up imaginary monsters and that we were the only ones who could like hear or see them. And we would imagine it so hard that we would actually scare ourselves. <laughs> and we actually ended up kind of, I don't know if convincing is the right word, but we had always talked about like these monsters and some other girls in our class were were getting on board and they were like, oh yeah, we know about that. And so it was kind of funny that way. And yeah, so I, and I don't want to say that it was always sunshine and rainbows. I always had, I would say anger issues and just a way that I didn't know how to express myself there and just to be fair like so there was this time when we were young too and I decided I was going to give her my 64 box of crayons and it was that crayon box that had the sharpener in the back and I don't know I just remember I wanted to give it to her and so I gave it to her and uh I also can't remember why but I ended up wanting it back and I said to her, like, you know, I want those back. And she said, no, you gave them to me. So this is an argument in like grade one. So bear with me. I don't remember the details. But one specific detail I do remember is that when she said no, I grabbed her by the collar and was like, bought in her face and yelled like, give me back my crayons. And obviously, not a an appropriate reaction by any means and especially for a grade one student that's a little alarming uh looking back on it so there were times I I took out my anger on her a lot throughout the years and thankfully you know she kind of stuck by me and we would always work it out one way or another 
And so, yeah. Anyway, I'm just trying to say that we had our ups and downs. It wasn't always perfect, but I did consider her my best friend. And so we, yeah, knew each other since we were five. We're now in our 30s. So to get to the point of when I lost her friendship. So it was around uh, 2020, I would say, I think. No, maybe 2019. I can't really remember, but... Um, it was when I was still drinking, essentially, and drinking to a point of excess and using a lot of weed to, quote unquote, calm myself down. And so I would be drunk and high quite a bit. And I thought that I was handling my mental health pretty well. I got my diagnosis. Uh, as I was talking about in my last episode, I, you know, was taking the meds. So that should be all I need to do, right? But clearly it was not. I was still experiencing a lot of rage and a lot of anxiety, a lot of just everything. And I still just didn't have good coping mechanisms for anger, impatience, anything like that. And so I, yeah, I've learned a lot since then. So bear with me. I, it's just hard to reflect on these times in my life when I feel like I was really not a good person. So I, yeah. And some backstory too, is that this friend that I'm talking about, she ended up marrying or sorry, before I get to that, she ended up dating my ex-boyfriend's best friend. And that's great. I love the guy. He was honestly, I considered one of my good friends at the time. I really enjoy him. I think he's a stand-up guy and I always wanted him to find an amazing girl. And so it was kind of cool that they found that in each other. And that kind of had a rocky start on its own, but that's another episode. Um, So I just, yeah, like they were together. It was really, it was nice that they were together. Don't get me wrong. I struggled with it, though, just because he was my ex-boyfriend's best friend. And so I know that for me, it caught it, it caused me a lot of anxiety that like, oh, what if my friend tells her boyfriend about me doing this or this? Or what if she tells him this? And what if it gets back to my ex-boyfriend? And I just, I really stressed out about it. And I think that's kind of what was building up in me in like self-destructive behaviors. I would always pick fights. I'd always tell her like, oh, you picked him over me or um, you, you know, you like him better than me. And she never expressed these things. She never, obviously she liked my ex-boyfriend, but she, she never said she liked him more than me or anything like that. It was just... It was just how I was feeling and how I was interpreting the situation. And so, sorry, I don't, I have a hard time talking about this. So it got to the point um, that my friend and her boyfriend got engaged and they were planning their wedding. And I was super excited again, but also super stressed out and super self-conscious that I would have to be in the wedding party of my ex-boyfriend with my ex-boyfriend. I ran scenarios in my head of what that was going to look like and I always was just freaking out and it was always on my mind and I I wish I would have expressed these worries to my friend, but I never did. I I 
I passively did in that like when it was time for her shag. And so that is kind of a, it's like a stag and dough. I'm not sure any other expression for it, but it's, it's a big party to raise money prior to a wedding. So they were preparing to have their shag and I was losing it. Like I, I wanted to be there for her. I really did. I did not want to see my ex-boyfriend. There is so much shame there. There is so much like, I just, I just, yeah, I left that a really big mess. And so I didn't want to see him and I didn't want to face the music. Essentially. I didn't want to be in a room with him or, um, yeah, I I don't know. It, It was just a really stressful time. And so I remember saying to her, well, you'll have more fun without me is how I expressed it. And instead of telling her, you know, I'm really self-conscious and I'm really anxious about seeing my ex, I said, you'll have more fun without me. And I would soon, or not soon, but I would find out down the road that she didn't read between, like she didn't hear what I was trying to underlyingly say, which obviously not. I didn't express it outright. I just kind of assumed, you know, she'll get it. If I say, uh, you'll have more fun without me, surely she'll know that means that I have a lot of feelings and I don't know how to process them or um, express them. And so I didn't think about it, honestly. That's, that's the bottom line. And so I kept doing things like that where I would say like, oh, like, and I would make it about me. I wasn't making anything about her. I wasn't even... Uh, being considerate of how this was going to be affecting her or how I was being a damper on this exciting time in her life. You know, I'm worrying about all this stress and I'm worrying about all this, these feelings that I'm feeling and I'm not, I'm not being a good friend. I'm not being somebody that she can go to and be like, I'm so excited. Like I'm going to get married and, you know, talk about the wedding details and this and that. And I was always able to just bring it back to me, me, me. Like, do I have to walk down the aisle with him? Do I have to look at him? Do I have to sit at the same table as him? And it was just all about me. And so I can see why things played out the way they did. Uh, Now that I look back at the time, I was again, drinking, taking my meds, and I was not in a good headspace. And so I kept saying like, well, she's picking him over me, like him as in my ex-boyfriend. She doesn't want me there. She is choosing his friendship over mine. And I made a lot of assumptions and I made a lot, I made it, I made the situation a lot worse in my head. And so anyway, so the final situation that occurred was that I wish this wasn't the case. I was super drunk when it all went down. So I only have bits and pieces of it, unfortunately. But I just remember kind of texting with her about something. She had told me I was going to be maid of honor. And I was super excited about that. And But then I found out that the other girls in her wedding party were also her maid of honors. Um, She was going to have three maids of honors or however many. And I don't know why that hit me so hard. I definitely took it personally. And now that I've I've gone through my own wedding, I'm married now. And I I don't know why, (laughs) why it was so hard on me. But anyway, I took it very personally. And I just... 
I flipped out. I was like, okay, well, clearly these people mean more to you than me. And I don't get it. Like, I, I don't know why. Like, I thought that I was always supposed to be your maid of honor. Because, like I said, we were friends since we were five. And we always talked about what it would be like when we got married eventually. And we had kind of said we would be each other's maid of honor. And who am I to hold somebody to something they said when they when we were kids, but I did. <laughs> and so I was just, I took it really personally and I was really hard on her. And I just said pretty much an F you, I think. I didn't want to be co-made of honor. I didn't, I wanted all or nothing essentially is what I remember. And so then I just remember the conversation coming to a point where she said, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe you shouldn't come. Maybe you shouldn't be, or no, she didn't say maybe you shouldn't come. She said, maybe you shouldn't be in the wedding party. And I remember, you know, when you just like see red and you're just like, fine. And so I think I sent her back and I said, well, what if I just don't come at all? I don't want to be there. Um, And like, as soon as I sent it, I was like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. And I, I think I remember texting her and being like, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like I take it back. And she was just like, no, you don't want to be there. I don't want you there. And that was that. I just remember I tried calling her a couple times because I was like, shit, what did I just do? And so I tried to call her and obviously she didn't answer my call. I think based on our history, like she assumed I would yell, get angry. And yeah, like I don't blame her now that I look back on it. I really, I think at the time it was really hard for me because I was like, just listen to me. Like, I just want to like explain and I just want to have a conversation about this. I don't want to talk about it over text. But again, I was drunk, I was high and the conversation probably wouldn't have made things any better. <laughs> and so anyway, yeah, I I think I remember saying like, well, it was it was nice being friends, whatever. And I I think I continued to go on all my social media and delete and block her. And I was like, okay, well, you're done, I'm done. And I think it speaks to my borderline personality disorder. I push people away um, so that I don't necessarily get abandoned. I abandon others. It's kind of a self-protection mechanism, but obviously not what I wanted it I didn't want it to happen like that but that is how it happened and so I remember the next day I was hungover and I was on my way to work and I was just like oh I need to apologize to my friend I treated her really poorly and I I just I really messed things up and so I sent her a text and I just said like I'm really sorry Um, I want you to have a good wedding. And I think I said something like, I understand why I'm not going to be in the wedding party. Something to that effect. I can't quite remember. And I remember she just never responded. And so I just kind of took that as like, well, maybe she like blocked my number because I did try calling her several times after the initial blowout. And so maybe she blocked my number, but I don't know if she ever got that text. I guess I'll never know. I did do like kind of a half-assed apology via text and she just never responded. And so I kind of took that like, okay, well, I guess that's it. And 
kind of a flash that I had that day was she had expressed the night before how I was I was being toxic. And I was. I, I was definitely being toxic. And so she expressed that. And I remember when I didn't get a text back, I was like, okay, I guess that's that. Like I I know that she's always said throughout my lifetime that um because I've had different friendships and relationships where I want to text so-and-so and she'd be like, you know, when people are toxic, you just, you have to cut them out of your life. You can't give them that space because they're going to walk all over you or they're going to do this or that, and they're going to continue to be toxic. And so that just kept playing in my head. And so I decided to keep her deleted and blocked on everything. And I just never reached out again. I think when it first happened, I was like, well, she'll reach out to me when things cool off, when she feels better about it. And, you know, <clears throat> that uh, that never happened. And I think it really did help me kind of see that my drinking and everything was a problem and that I wasn't being a good person. And that if somebody I had always called my best friend was at a point where they were saying I was toxic and they were they decided I'm not going to be in their wedding party. I I think when somebody expresses that you're toxic, that's not just something that comes up out of nowhere. I feel like that's something that she probably was holding on to for a long time. And I guess I feel a lot of guilt that as her best friend, I thought she would have been able to talk to me about that. And I think that kind of speaks to the person I was, that she wasn't able to express that or feel safe in expressing that to me or talking to me about it. And so I think that, yeah, I'm I'm full of regrets. I think, you know, we're both living our separate lives and I get glimpses of hers and I know she's happy and I know that if even if we did somehow get back into each other's lives, it's never going to be the same. It never is in those situations. But I, if she ever was listening to this, I, I am sorry. I didn't handle it well. And I didn't, I, I don't know, I, I really held it against her that she didn't talk to me about how she was feeling. But in reality, I didn't talk to her about how I was feeling either. And so it kind of makes me question how good our relationship was if we were really best friends or if it was just kind of a title. But I also don't want to change what I see in my head of our our past or our history. I I loved her. She was she was really there for me. Sorry. She, she was there for me. Um she helped me through a lot of different situations in my life. And I don't regret ever having her in my life. She she was really good to me. Um, I wish I could have given that back to her. And I wish that, yeah, I just wish we could have um, ended up differently. I just wish that I would have got better sooner. There, There's lots of things I wish, you know, I wish I would have messaged after a couple days, like, hey, can we talk? Or I wish that we, I didn't do that in the first place. Like, I wish that I would have just been upfront about how I was feeling and not taking it out on her, which I did a lot in our lives. And so, yeah, I think, I don't know. I'm trying to say, I think that it was for the best. I want to believe that. I know that she's most likely living her best life. And I think that maybe she doesn't think about me at all. 
I dream about her every night. And that probably sounds really creepy, but I honestly, like, I have dreams that we patch things up and that we talk about it, and it always feels so good, and it's sad. Um, But my psychologist kind of has told me that sometimes when you can't have that relationship in life, you hold on to that metaphysical life. So maybe my dreams are allowing me the comfort of, in my subconscious, we're all good. We live our separate lives, but we're both better for it. I I know I'm a better person. She never had to be a better person, but I I know I'm a better person now. And because of that situation, I am very upfront about what I'm feeling. And I try to be very patient and I try and be very calm and talk when I, I feel like I'm taking things personally. And so I just, I hope if anything, that this episode kind of helps others that maybe in my situation where they're like pre-contemplative about recovery and maybe they have a friend in their life that they're not treating very well and they don't see it in the fog of their addictions or mentality, their behaviors, whatever it is. I just hope that with this episode that maybe it helps somebody else not lose a friend that way. Maybe it'll help others to do some self-reflection or have that awareness of when something is bothering you to not take it out on those you love. I know from meeting with my psychologist that we take things out on the people we love sometimes because we think that their love will always be there and we almost take it for granted and we don't consider them not in our lives. We just consider that they will they will always be there and so I think that's something that yeah I took her for granted and I just kind of thought she'll always be there and I never thought that I would act this way or be the person to end our friendship so that is kind of the situation that took place and I just want to say I know I know I've shared a lot about the ups and downs of this particular situation. And I kind of prefaced it with the crayon story of when we were kids. Probably seems silly to a lot of people because who cares about a fight in grade one? But I think what I wanted to highlight there was me grabbing her by the collar and being so aggressive about it. And I think that kind of speaks to how I was with her throughout our friendship. And not to say I was ever physical with her, but I was, I was very angry and I, I don't know, I, I took a lot of anger out on her in different situations and I blamed her for not being able to express myself essentially. You know, there's different times in our life where I, and I only know this now looking back and I mean, having done a lot of therapy, it's like, oh, okay, like that was my issue and I was making it her issue. And I, I also want to add that um, when I was talking about her shag and me saying like, oh, well, you'll have more fun if I'm not there. Looking back, I think another reason I was saying things like that was that I was really hoping she'd say, I won't. Like, <laughs> I want you there. I I won't have more fun without you. Of course not. And, you know, it was really about coddling me and about making me feel better about it. I just wanted to make sure I added that. And also that looking back, me not being the solo maid of honor, I I kind of 
felt like I felt like that may have been her saying, you're not my best friend anymore. You are you're a friend. You're not my best friend anymore. And I know I was putting words in her mouth and I know I was mind reading now. Now I know that. I guess that's kind of what was going through my head at the time. Obviously, things are always so much clearer in retrospect. Um, If only we could have uh, this kind of insight during a situation. So it sucks that it went down this way. It sucks that I think about her all the time and that I wish there was a way for us to reconnect and be there for one another. Um, I've heard different things about some situations she's going through and tough times, and it really hurts me to not be there for her. But another thing that my therapist has made me realize is that me wanting to reach out is more about me than it is about her. Um, it's to make me feel better and, you know, it's, it may not make her feel better. It may actually throw a wrench in if she's like healed from this. And so, yeah, I, I have to be considerate of her feelings is what I'm getting at. And, and I know this is creepy. I'll always have my dreams. <laughs> and it's funny because I've had the, this dream so often now. And every time I wake up, I'm like, shit, it was just another dream. But like, I've dreamt about it so many times now that we forgive each other or she forgives me and that we're all good kind of thing. And every time now in my dreams, I'm like, is this a dream? This better not be a dream. And it's like, oh, no, it's not a dream. And then like the dream keeps going and I eventually wake up and I'm like, it was a bloody dream. <laughs> Damn it. All that to say, I I miss her. I love her still. And I guess anyone listening, don't take your loved ones for granted. Be expressive of your needs and what you're feeling. And I don't know, don't let this happen to you. It sucks. (laughs) So I think that's it. So that's all I have to give today. And I will say that I should give credit to my psychologist for this episode because he thought it would be therapeutic for me to talk about it aloud and just kind of put it out into the world. I've tried journaling, I've tried different methods, and she said, maybe this will help. Anyway, thank you for being here with me again today. And I don't have a self-care piece for you today, honestly, because this was my self-care piece. I needed to get this out. So yes, thank you. And this is me signing off with a vulnerability hangover. Don't forget that if you like listening to Shaping Identity, please don't forget to like or share, leave a comment, anything like that. You can also follow me on Instagram at shaping underscore identity. Or if you want, you can always send me an email. So my email is shapingidentitypodcast at gmail.com. Finally, Shaping Identity is available wherever you stream your podcasts. I want to recognize Titan Media Collective for all of their help in getting set up, started, and their support throughout this journey. With that shout out in mind, here is another production by Titan Media Collective. Take a listen. Hi, I'm Nate. And I'm Andrew. And we are the hosts of Two Beards Please podcast. 
asked him if he'd ever done this before. He said that he had. So you're asking these questions while you're on the operating table? Just before we start, right. So you didn't think to ask these questions nah. like in a consultation visit? I really or didn't care. I just wanted lines. to prolong the hot knife cauterization <laughs> as long as I could. I also had some adults come to my door, not with kids. Did you give them candy? I did. What's wrong with you? What's they deserve apples. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite comedy movie that I could think of in four hours when some idiot says, what's your favorite four comedy movies of all time? <laughs> okay. This beardy is based on a limited amount of time, and I only had two beers. <laughs> laugh with us or laugh at us. Either way, you're laughing, and we're responsible. Find all of the links to our social media as well as major listening platforms on our website, twobeardsplease.com.